Germany. Hey, stand up with us this morning. Early this morning, Rocky Walker down here invited everybody on Facebook to church. And he said, come let us worship the King. That's what we're singing this morning, Rocky, good call. So sing out as we sing this morning. Come let us worship our King. Come let us bow at his feet. He has done great
Aren't you thankful that all your hope can be in Jesus? It uh, doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you're at in life. We have a hope, and that hope is found in Christ. And today, if you are searching for hope, if you're looking for one that is your hope, that will be your hope, a place to put your hope, I want you to know that you can find that in Jesus. He will be a hope that is real, that is living, that will never let you down, and will always be everything you need. Well, today, as we uh, gather, we continue to talk about acts of prayer, and we are, are just looking at 28 acts of prayer. We asked you uh, from January 1st through the 28th to read a chapter a day in the book of Acts. Take a few minutes to pray. Follow the guide that we gave you, and, and uh, we hope that it has made a difference in your life and that you've gained a, a new perspective. We're not 
done with the book of Acts. We're not moving on from the book of Acts today or any time in the next couple of weeks. We're going to go back and look at the prayers, the boldness, the things that are, that are there, and we're going to continue on that journey. So if you have not uh, completed that, if you, if you want to go back and look at it again, I would encourage you uh, to do that because it will make a difference in your life as we continue on our journey through Acts together. Well, we've got a few prayer requests today uh, that I, I want to share with you, and I want to ask you to pray for uh, Larry and Alice Adkins. They're down in Florida, and Larry's having some uh, health struggles. Uh, he is uh, battling uh, the early stages of dementia. Uh, that is, is progressing, but he has a blood clot in his leg, uh, and he's in the hospital uh, being out of town uh, in a, a strange place in the hospital has uh, been a, a real struggle uh, for him, a struggle for Alice. So we're asking you to pray for them today, uh, if you would, as you go throughout your day and you, throughout your week, just remember them in your prayers. I have a, a thank you card from Charlotte uh, Manette and her family. Uh, Leon went to be with the Lord a, a few weeks ago now, and uh, she just said, she just says, thank you. Romans chapter 12, verse number 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Your prayers, visits, cards, and meals extended to our family during Leon's illness and passing are the example of this verse. We love you in Christ the Leon Manette family. Make sure and continue to pray uh, for them in their journey through this grief and uh, their time of loss. Please uh, pray for the Manette family and we'll let you know when the celebration of life and the th different things are gonna be in Leon's honor. Well, we've got a, a couple of things that I wanna draw your attention to today and uh, one of them is on your way out. You're gonna receive a, a, just a, a spouse prayer covenant and we'll talk about this during uh, the message, but today we're talking about praying for your family uh, and we're gonna take a look at it from Acts chapter 16. Uh, Paul and Silas are, are in shackles. Uh, they're in chains, right? We just sang a song about that and Jesus can release those, but what we're gonna discover is uh, Paul and Silas, uh, their prayers led to some changed lives and a changed family. Uh, and uh, part of that uh, is, is due to prayer. So today we're going to connect those dots, and I hope that it'll make a difference. Uh, but you, you would say, what, what about me? I, I'm single, or uh, you know, my, my spouse uh, doesn't like to pray with me or for me, or, or whatever it might be, right? Uh, here's, here's this. You take this and, and apply it to your family. Apply it to a, a friend that you can pray with and that you can pray for, and I know that it'll make a difference in their life. Well, I'm going to go ahead and, and pray, and then we're going to take a look at a video uh, that is for a special conference that we've been asked to host here uh, coming up on March 12th. All the details uh, are, are going to be uh, demonstrated in the video, so let's pray, and then we'll take a look at that video. Father, we come to you today, and we, God, we need your help. We uh, are surrounded by, by problems and crisis in our own lives and around the world. And Lord, it seems like when one thing is removed, something else steps in to take its place. And God, it's, it's the same for all of us. We all face battles, we all face struggles. So Lord, today I ask that you would be with us. God, that you would help us to break away from those struggles for just the moments that we're here. And Lord, I ask that you would work in a way that only you can, that you would help us to set those things aside Help us to hear from you, and God, that you would make a difference in our life today. 
For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Hello, ladies of Harmony of Avon. My name is Mia Kane, and I'm one of the co-founders, hosts, and musicians for Aspire Women's Events. Our team is so very excited to be heading to your church, and we can't wait to fellowship with all of you. Aspire is a one-night event that's not just filled, but it is overflowing with laughter, learning stories and music to encourage you and equip you. It is an amazing, fun-packed girls' night out. It's an event that's also an opportunity for you to invite your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers to hear biblical truth, to be refreshed and to laugh. This is a great event where your church can continue to be a light in the community. On March 12th in Avon, we have Bible teacher, author, and speaker Debbie Alsdorf, comedian Amberly Neese, and music by Lindsay McCall. Hi, I'm Debbie Alsdorf, and I'm a Bible teacher and an author with Aspire Women's Events. And I love it when women get together because my heart is to encourage women to live a better story. And I do that by teaching God's Word in a way that will make it practical and applicable to every woman that comes. I hope you'll come out and join us because when we get together, not only do we have fun, but we have fellowship, we have music, and we have the word of truth, which there is nothing like that. I hope to see you at an Aspire in your area. I love the idea of Aspire. The truth is, I think it should be called Respire because the truth is it brings life and it breathes life into the people who come. Great worship, amazing time of Bible teaching, and we laugh. We have a great time and we can't wait to see you there. Bring your friends, bring your family, bring your mother-in-law. God bless you and we'll see you there. Don't delay. Make plans today to join us for this one night women's event with our amazing team of Bible teachers, comedians, and musicians. Get your tickets, maybe even surprise someone and get them a ticket too, and we'll see you there. And those tickets are available in the back this morning after service. You can go back and see the ladies that will be working the table and they can help you out with those. If you would stand with us one more time, we just wanna praise the name of the Lord this morning and just confirm with everybody that his name and his power is something that we can build our lives on. So sing with me here, he's got a beautiful name. You were the word at the beginning, one with God the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you our Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, our King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is.
Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. 
worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Father, I'm so thankful that you are there to lead us. Lead us with your heart, 
And this verse says, to those around me, and Father, that's our family, first of all. So, Father, this morning, as John delivers the message you've given him, please open our hearts. Please open our minds to the truth of the word this morning. Father, send the Holy Spirit in this room, walking up and down the aisles and across the chairs, opening people's minds to your word this morning. And, Father, we just praise you for who you are and how you love us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, for the past few weeks, we have been in a series entitled Acts of Prayer, and we've just taken a look at the book of Acts, a book right out of the New Testament that really is descriptive of the early church, the, the actions of the early church, the habits of the early church, the, the life change that was taking place in the early church of, of people that are just like you and me, people that had struggles, people that had questions and doubts, people that were trying to figure life out and certainly trying to figure this thing out that we call faith. You see, for them, it was absolutely brand new. They didn't have the benefit of being able to go back and, and read a book about what was taking place and, and to, to learn more about it and to, to grow in it and to know it. It was all unfolding right before them, and they were doing the very best they could to live that truth out and to experience it day by day. Well, what we have done is we've just walked through uh, and, and we've taken a look at some of the, the scenarios and scenes that really have unfolded and, and what has taken place uh, through uh, the process of prayer and how prayer has changed some hearts and changed some lives. And today, uh, we take a look at the, the text that we've kind of used each week as our, our jumping off point, uh, and, and we, we look at Acts chapter 1. One and verse number 12 and, and, and through verse number 14. And as we take a look at those verses, uh, here, here's what we're going to discover today. Uh, it, as we've seen every week, there's one key word uh, that, that's there. It says this. It says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. And then here's what it says in verse number 14. It says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. There, there's a key word that just kind of unfolds that's a mark of their life. And, and here's what it is. They continued. You see, what we continue in is extremely important in, in our life. You see, for a lot of us, we, we want a, a different life, but we continue in the, the thing that's, that's causing us to want a different life, right? Some of us know that life's not working, that choices need to be made differently, that we want a different outcome, yet we continue in the same habit, we continue in the same action, we continue in the same process that, that gets our life essentially in a mess. And then when we get there, we look at it and we say, wow, why is my life like this? I wanted something different. And, and we ask ourselves, what needs to change? Yet we try and replace it with people or we replace it with different locations. But all the while, we continue in the same things. We continue in the same direction. We continue to, to walk down that, that same process, that same journey. And when we look at the life of the early church, the Bible says that they continued in prayer. What kind of prayer did they continue in. You remember we talked about how the disciples looked at Jesus and they noticed that there was something different about the life of Jesus and one of the things that they noticed was that he prayed differently 
than what they did. And they looked at him in Luke chapter 11. Here's, here's what we see. They said, Jesus, there's something different about your prayer life. There's something different about the, the habits of your heart. There's something different about the actions that you take and, and the words that you speak. Jesus, would you teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples how to pray? And the Bible says that Jesus taught them how to pray, and, and what they did was they continued in that process. They continued in those principles. And here's what happened. They continued to do the things that Jesus taught them to do, and, and lo and behold, their life was changed, and people's lives around them was changed, and, and the church was constantly seeing a life transformation. And over and over and over, whether it was a healing, whether it was a miraculous situation where people seemed to go through extreme difficulty and, and you read about it and you look and say, man, how could anybody survive that? Or, or whether it was the, the guy that was laid at the gate daily in Acts chapter 3 and going into Acts chapter 4 and he experiences a life change that no one could explain except Jesus. You see, when, when, you, when you begin to look at it over and over and over, it's because they continued in prayer. And today some of us are in settings and situations and quite honestly, we want a different outcome for our marriage. We want a different outcome for our kids. We want a different outcome for our family. We, we, we've got a, a struggle that's bigger than, than we are, and, and we're saying, what, what, what do I do? How do I, I handle it? How do I get through it? There, there's a future that I'm concerned about. There's decisions that I'm, I'm worried about, and they're weighing in on my mind heavily. What do I do? Well, let's take a look at Acts chapter 16. And in Acts chapter 16, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see that Paul and Silas were out preaching and teaching the truth of God's word. And in the midst of them preaching and teaching the truth of God's word, someone gets upset about it. And, and before long, here's what we discover. Paul and Silas are placed in the inner prison. They've been beaten with many stripes. And we pick it up where it's midnight. It's a dark hour in their Life. They've been beaten. The Bible says that they're placed in the inner prison and their feet are placed in shackles and in stocks. So get that in your mind. Paint that picture. Two guys who are good social people. Two guys who haven't been out doing anything wrong, they've just been trying to, to tell people truth that'll help them live their life. Trying to help them find that hope that they had been searching for. They said, we found it, we want to give it to somebody else, and, and now all of a sudden, they're beaten, and they're in the inner prison, they can't really move. Here's what the Bible says, verse number 25. Verse number 25, it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were whining and complaining and saying, God, why have you let this happen to me? Because quite honestly... If, if we're in that setting, in that situation, we get upset, right? I mean, when our day doesn't go like we thought it was going to, we, we, we get a little fired up. When, when, when it doesn't turn out exactly like we planned, we, we say, why is this happening to me, right? I mean, you go to the grocery store. You, you, you want that one item, you saw it, the, the last trip there, they, they had plenty of it, and now two days later you go back and it's all gone, and you think that's a big deal. 
And granted, in some situations, it might be a big deal, but we have that moment, and, and, and we can have a, a meltdown over, over that item that we think we needed, but maybe we really don't. Here's, here's what happens. Paul and Silas have done nothing. They've been beaten with many stripes. They've been placed in the inner prison, and here's what it says, but... They're not going to do what you would expect them to do. They're not going to have the attitude that you would expect them to have. It says this, but at midnight, midnight, a dark, discouraging, distressful time in their life, here's what they do. Paul and Silas were praying, praying. You remember in Acts chapter 1? It says they went back and they continued in prayer. Can I tell you something? In Acts chapter 1, the, the, the apostle Paul is not the apostle Paul. His name is Saul. He's not yet been introduced properly, but we know as, as we look through the book of Acts, he's going around and he's trying to stop the church. He's trying to stop this thing called prayer. He's trying to stop this thing called Jesus. And now he's taking the gospel around. He's telling people about Jesus. And what does he do? In the midst of trouble, in the midst of a, a struggle, he continues in prayer. It's not the last thing he does. It's the first thing that we pick up and see that they are doing in the midst of their struggle. It says praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. I just want you to remember this. When you're in your critical crisis, when you're in that moment where you are struggling, other people are watching and observing how you are living life. Verse number 25 plainly points that out. It says suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew a sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. We'll get to that in just a moment. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sir, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Well, let's just talk about some of this for, for just a, a moment. Over the, the past couple of weeks, we've, we've boiled things down to, to this concept. We, we said on week one that Jesus often would push away to pray. He would push away from the demands of life and the struggles of life and, and the people that were set before him, the opportunities of life, things that were good. Jesus would push away from those things and he would go and pray. And then we talked about how we need to pray throughout our day. And prayer is not just a, a one and done thing. It's not something 
that, that we do when, when we're about to eat or, or just before we, we go to bed. We develop the habit and a heart for, for prayer in this life and, and we pray throughout our day to stay connected to the Lord and to, to continue to strengthen that relationship. Then last Sunday we said this, we need to pray before the fray, which is just pray before the struggle. Pray before you get to the crisis. Why? Because how you pray before you get to the crisis often determines how you respond in the crisis. And can I just tell you this? It's not a matter of if the crisis comes. It's a matter of when. Right? Following Christ does not remove the crisis from our life. Following Christ is not the pathway to a struggle, problem-free life. You're going to have problems and challenges. So, so here's what we see. We see that they were praying before the fray, but here's something that I want you to remember, and we're going to, to get to all of this because there's something that happens in this passage of Scripture that you and I need to let click in our hearts and in our minds. And, and I know right now you're thinking, man, this has absolutely nothing to do with it, but we are going to piece it together, keep it in context, and I promise it's a biblical truth that is accurate. And, and here's what it is. We need to pray for our family every day. You see, the first thing that happens when the Philippian jailer gives his life to Christ when he says, I want to be saved, it immediately moves from him to his home. It immediately moves from him to his family. It immediately moves from his need to the need of all that are in his house. You see, his faith, his life, his example, his choice is going to impact his household. What he would do in that situation, in that moment, would matter. And there's this little word called set. And, 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 and we see it unfolding in the last verse that we read. And he chose to set food before them, and they celebrated. You see, when, when we begin to follow Christ, what we set before our family and what we choose to, to, to celebrate, what we choose to give our time, our mind, our attention, and our affection to is going to radically impact them one way or another. So let's talk about what we see in verse number 25. The first thing is this, praying in the crisis. Praying in the crisis. Can I, can I just tell you something? Praying for your family every day is a part of praying in the crisis. What's the crisis? Well, they've been beaten with many stripes. It's midnight. It's a time of darkness. It's a time of distress. But what does this reveal? Praying in the crisis, what does it reveal about Paul and Silas? Well, first it reveals their character. It reveals their character. Well, why is it so important? Because praying in the crisis, that the crisis is a character revealer. Here's the, the, the next thing. that They're praying, they're singing, and they had an audience. That's, that's why it's important. It, because other people were listening. They, they were uh, observing. But, but let's think about this as well. You see, praying in the crisis, the crisis often creates character. The character of Paul and Silas was under intense development at this point. And, and can I tell you this? It was also under intense observation. Other people, other prisoners were listening. 
Now, if you ever do jail ministry, here, here's, here's one of the things that you're going to discover. Nine out of ten people didn't do anything wrong. All right, that, that's, that, that's, that's the story. I don't deserve to be here. I didn't do anything. But, but we know this, right? We, we know this, that Paul and Silas had done nothing wrong, yet they were praying, and people who had done something wrong were listening. The people that needed the message of, of Paul and Silas, the hope and the redemption of, of Jesus, were, were watching and observing as Paul and Silas were, were praying, as they were suffering. So, so here's what, what Peter writes in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is what? To try you, to test you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Do you know sometimes the, the crisis points of our life are just opportunities for you and I to become a little more like Jesus and to help other people become a little more like Jesus in the process of our crisis? You see, the their crisis, it revealed their character, it created their character, but, but can I tell you something? It creates compassion. Verse number 27 says that the prison guard had drew his sword and was about to take his own life. But call, Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. Now think about this. A guy that has just ordered your beating, ordered you to be placed in the inner prison, who has fastened your feet and hands in stocks, and you've done nothing wrong. Let, let me ask you, he's about to off himself, what are you going to do? Hold on, I'll be there to help. We'll make this as painful as possible. All, all those stripes and beatings that you gave me unjustly, I'll be down there to assist you in this matter really quick. No, that, that's, that's not what Paul and Silas do. That, that, that's not their response. It, 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 the crisis wasn't a time to get even for them. It wasn't a time to, to get revenge. It, it was a moment, it was a moment where the crisis built compassion and creates compassion. You see, Paul says, do yourself no harm. We are, we're all here. Why, why did this happen? You see, Paul and Silas had a heart for others because of what Jesus had done in their life. So, so let me just keep moving through this. You see, praying in the crisis is important because it reveals our character, it creates character, it, it develops and creates compassion in our life for others. But, but here's something that, that's extremely important, and it's this. Praying in the crisis transforms others. Do you remember that the Bible said early on that others were, were listening? Verse number 25, it says the prisoners were, were listening. So 
praying in the crisis transforms others. How does, how does that happen? Well, the prayers caught the attention of other prisoners. They, they, were, they were listening. They were observing as to, to what's going to happen. The, the, the prayers, most importantly, caught the attention of God. The prayers and, and the praises in the midst of, of the crisis, here, here's what happens. God, God hears Paul and Silas, and, and he hears them praying, not complaining. He hears them praising and rejoicing, not, not saying, why has this happened to us? And, and here's, here's what unfolds. The Bible says there's a great earthquake. An earthquake happens. The place shakes. The shackles are loosed. The doors begin to, to swing open, and people could have fled. That's why the guard was concerned. He looks around, and he says, what just happened? We're in the inner prison, and anybody can walk out of the most secure place that we have to keep them. And Paul shouts out and says, look, we're all here. Don't hurt yourself. Don't harm yourself. You see, what happened was was the prayers of Paul and Silas caught the attention of the prisoners because they're looking around. They stayed. It doesn't say that Paul and Silas had to say, look, you guys need to be here. Stay. We're going to exit now. No, no. Everybody's attention is caught by the power of prayer and what's taking place. It began to transform their life. It began to create a change in them. It caught their attention. It caught God's attention. But but I want you to remember this. It was prayers that influenced the prison guard. What, what was the question that they asked? Verse number 30 says this. That after he had gotten a light, ran in, he says, what must I do to be saved? I want what you have. What influenced him? Was their prayers? Was their compassion? It was how they handled themselves in the midst of the crisis. You see, the, the prayers caught the attention of God, but the prayers influenced the prison guard. Paul and Silas prayed. Paul said, do yourself no harm. He said, what do I need to do to get what you have? That's salvation in Jesus Christ. Paul said, hey, you believe. And, and your faith will, will be a, a witness to, to your household. And, and I believe that they'll come to, to know Christ as well. You see, Paul wasn't telling them, look, when you get saved, everybody in your home gets saved. That's, that's not what he was saying. It's a personal decision. He said, look, here, here's the reality. When, when you believe, when your life has, has been changed, here's what's going to happen. Your life has the opportunity to change other people. So, so let's get down to how this impacts our family. Transformed people set transformation before others. Transform people set transformation before others. In verse number 32, verse number 31, it says this. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, you and your household. 
Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So apparently they left the inner prison, right? There's a bit of freedom that's taking place. It says, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Now, I don't know all his household. I, I don't know what that includes. It, it might be a, a wife and three or four children. It, it might be a, a wife and, and some of his extended family and, and his children. Uh, living arrangements were, were different in that day. Often families just kind of grouped together and, and stayed close by. So, so it could be many or, or it could be a few. But regardless, it was his family. It were the people that were closest to him. It, it was the, the people that that knew him best and, and probably loved him the most and he knew them best and loved them the most. And now here's what we see. We see when, when he hears Paul and Silas pray and he hears that all he has to do to be saved, to have what they have, is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to do that, but then he wants to take that message back to his family, back to his household, and we see what he sets before them. The first thing that Paul and Silas set before them is prayer. You see, Paul and Silas set prayer before them when they were praying in the crisis. Before they ever get to the household, when they were praying in the inner prison, they were setting prayer before that man and before that family. When, when we look at our life, here's, here's often what we want to do. Transform people, people that know Christ, people that have been changed in life. Do you know what we tend to do? We tend to sit information before our family and say, here you go. And, and, and we think that that solves it. We think that that's the answer. We, we, we set some information before the family. We say, look, there's going to be information at church today. It'll help you. We're going. And, and then we go, and, and, and it makes no difference in us. You see, one of, one, of the, one of the problems in our culture today is not that the world is so wicked and so terrible. One of the problems in our culture today is we as God's people don't live life like we've been transformed. We live life like people who possess information rather than those who are possessed by a transformation. Well, we, we live life so similar as to what it was prior to our conversion, prior to our meeting Jesus, that, that people can only see a little bit of information. They don't see the transformation. We, we want everybody else to, to live like a saint, and we want everybody else to be perfect, and what we set before our family is often anything but a life that is transformed by Jesus. But, but here's what, what Paul does, and here's what Paul says. Paul sets prayer before the prisoners, he sets prayer before the guard, and by setting it before them, he was setting prayer before the family. What, what does Paul do? Paul sets Jesus before the guard, before the prisoners. What then does the guard do? The Bible says the jailer set Jesus before his family. 
he brings Paul and Silas in and says, look, tell them what you told me. And the story begins to unfold, and, and here's what happens. They all come to Christ. You see, the jailer set Jesus before the family, not just information. He said, this Jesus is the one that's transformed my life. The jailer set Jesus before, but, but can I tell you this? The jailer set compassion before his family. He said, these guys have been beaten. We don't often do this, but, but here's the change that Jesus brings to a life. We're going to go and wash the wounds of one that used to be our enemy. We're, we're going to go and, and wash the wounds of one that we wrongly convicted, and we're going to do all we could to execute. You see, the jailer set Jesus in compassion and service before his family. And it all began with prayer. Let, let me ask you something. It, it just says this. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced. What, what, what were they doing? They, they were setting the stage to, to celebrate. But what were they celebrating? They, they were celebrating the transformation that prayer had brought in their life. It was a prayer that Paul had offered, that the jailer heard, that the jailer picked up and learned and began to follow and apply to his life, all in a matter of a very short time. And now, all of a sudden, we have a household that believes, we have a household that's been baptized, and now we have a household that has Jesus and compassion and serving Jesus set before them. And here's what he does. He sets his house, his family, for a celebration. What, what do you think they were celebrating? They were celebrating Jesus and the power of change that he can bring. And how did that change begin? It began through prayer. And some of us right now have some situations in our households, people that we're connected to, friends, whatever it might be. And, and we think that maybe just a little bit of information will bring that transformation in, in their life. And, and here's the, the reality. Transformed people did not set information before the jailer's family. They set a transformed life before the jailer and before his family. They, they didn't go ahead and, and whine and complain and moan and groan about how dirty the jail was and how unfair it was and then tell the jailer, hey, by the way, you need what, what I have. This Jesus thing will work really good for you. No, they, they, they celebrated in the crisis who Jesus is and what Jesus had done and what Jesus could do. And their prayers continued. It impacted the jailer. And then the jailer impacts his family along with Paul and Silas. So, so when we walk through this passage and, and, and we look at, at what's unfolding, I just want to ask you this. What are you setting before those that are closest to you? What, what are you setting before them. The, the, the food wasn't just to, to eat, it was to celebrate 
the life change, the transformation that, that was taking place. They were celebrating prayer. They were celebrating decisions for Christ. They were celebrating a closeness to Christ. Think of all the things that we set before those that matter the most in our life. And how often do we set transformed lives before them? How often do we say, this is how Jesus has changed my life, and we're able to back that up with a changed life, a changed attitude, a changed heart, changed actions, a changed response. How, how often are we able to do that? Th think about this. So many times we set critical things before our family, and we criticize others, and, and we run those things down, and, 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 we, and we do all kinds of things that transformed people should not set before anyone, yet we set it before those that should matter the most. The jailer set compassion. He set Jesus. He set answered prayer before his family. What would happen if we said, you know what, we're going to learn something from this passage of Scripture and just connect the dots and say, if Paul's prayers impacted a jailer that impacted his family, I'm going to go ahead and start praying for my family. And I'm going to start praying for a transformed life in me that they can see, that they will want, that will bring about that transformation in them. You see, transform people set transformation before others, not just information. And as long as all we do is set information before people, we're going to miss a lot of opportunities for people to be transformed. You see, when you, when you look at the church and you look at a guy like Peter who, who is described as being unlearned, uneducated, and the only thing that people could explain how he stood up and gave the message that he gave what was he had been with Jesus that's a transformed life. They didn't say, wow, that's powerful information. You know what they said? They said, this guy's really kind of dumb. But he's been transformed and there's something powerful about him. It's not his intellect that wowed him. It was the transformation. You see, for the jailer, it wasn't the message that Paul and Silas had preached and they had been arrested for. It was the crisis that they were praying in. It was the transformation that he saw with his very eyes, the words that he heard. The moments that he experienced in the midst of their transformation. You see, a lot of us think that maybe our families just need a little more information and and maybe information will help a little bit, but the best thing that we can set before them is transformation. The best thing that we can do is celebrate things that need celebrated like life change for Christ. I don't know what your habits are, but today on your way out, you're going to get a little, little card that just says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to pray with and for my spouse it's a great place to start. Great, great place to, to pray for each other because life change took place and it took place because of, of prayer.
prayer. You see, no matter how good we are, no matter how much we know Christ, no matter how long we've walked with him, there's transformation that needs to take place in all of us. A jailer's home was transformed because somebody prayed. And I promise you this, that jailer remembered the power of prayer and he used it in his life. Because what transforms us is often what what we put to work to help transform others. And today, I don't know what your need is, but I know this, prayer works. And making a commitment to pray for your family is a great place to start. Maybe today you're like the Philippian jailer. Maybe, maybe you're like the, the, the guy that, that was keeping them in and, and you don't understand everything there is to understand about Jesus and, and you've not trusted him as your savior. Maybe today you would, you would say, I would like some hope. I would like that relationship. Maybe that's you. Maybe today that's what you need to do is to give your life to him. Maybe today you already know him. Maybe you would say, no, I need to start praying for my family I need to start realizing that prayer can make a difference in my household. That prayer can make a difference for them. And I want to set that prayer before them. Would you pray with me? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you today, are you certain that you know Christ as your Savior? Today, if you're not certain that you know Christ as your Savior, I would like to give you the opportunity right here, right now, to just come to Jesus right where you are. He's done everything. There's, there's nothing for you to do. There's just an opportunity for you to trust him and place your faith in him. So today... If you've never done that, I want to invite you right here, right now to say, Jesus, the best I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. I'm asking you to forgive me, to help me to trust you, to trust in your death, your burial, your resurrection for the forgiveness of of my sin and to secure my hope of heaven. If you'll do that right where you are, he'll do his part. He said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. So today, if you'd like to do that, then go ahead and do it right now. A simple prayer to an all-powerful God will bring that salvation to your life. For those that have already trusted Christ today, my prayer for you is that you will begin, that we will begin to pray for our family, to make a difference in their hearts and in their lives to pray for that transformation and to set the right things before them. The jailer set Jesus before them. The jailer set baptism before them. That's next steps in their faith that the jailer set a reason to celebrate before them. What are you setting before your family? Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. Lord, we ask you, to work in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we ask that you would help us, Father, to, to pray for our family, to, to pray that there would be life transformation, to, to help us to realize that how 
Paul's prayer impacted one person, and that person impacted his family, and life transformation took place. Lord, help us to put that together in our life and in the life of our family. Help us, we pray, for it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried, and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your Savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my Savior, and he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're a part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.